you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hi, welcome to another episode. Today we have a special guest hailing from Flushing, New York, which I've never heard of. I had to look that, look that up. Uh, she used to work in HR for the NFL Films, but currently the Senior Vice President of Player Operations in the National Football League, one of the few women holding executive positions for the National Football League. Please help me welcome Miss Tracy Perlman. How are you doing, Tracy? Hey, hey. I'm Tracy. good. How are you? I'm doing well. Well, I, I said it. You're from Flushing, New York. Yes. I had to look that up. That's the first time I ever heard it, <laughs> your background. But talk about growing up in Flushing, New York. Um, So it's a part of Queens. And I grew up in a very small um, house in Queens, went to Catholic grammar school, went on to a Catholic high school um, named St. Francis Prep. And St. Francis Prep is actually the high school of Vince Lombardi. So I always tell everyone oh, wow. I was meant to do this. <laughs> As I see um, the Packer poster behind you, behind you, Brett Favre yeah, behind there you. There you go. <laughs> um, so, you know, growing up in Queens, I went to dancing school every single day after school. I was a cheerleader. Um, there were a ton of players from the from the St. Francis Prep football team that ended up in the National Football League, Bill Pakel, Marco Battaglia. So just to name a few. So I always say this was something I was meant to do. Um, and being a cheerleader, I went to every single football game and my dad not having any sons, he came to every single football game to watch his cheerleader daughter. But at the same time, he taught me everything I learned and know about football. So he set me off on this course because he didn't have a son and he needed somebody to watch the games with. 
You know, what's interesting is last time I saw you was at the draft in Cleveland. And now, now that you explain that you used to be a cheerleader, it makes a whole lot of sense now. <laughs> that, that's an inside story. Yeah. That's, well, that's I mean, it. Well, I'm going to tell you, like, you know how some people, the cheerleaders, they just, everybody's part of the team and they're cheering people on. And, yeah. and you go to the, the, the green room or the dark, whatever you call it, and we're right there and she's just, Let's go, guys. Everybody's got it. You just every rallying the troops, uh, uh, so to speak. And I was like, now I get it. That makes sense. That's, that, that's that rah-rah in you. Exactly. Exactly. Well, th- you talked about it growing up. You was a cheerleader. And now you kind of got this, this football life, if you will, that the hectic life. So did you compete? Com- were you competitive as far as a cheerleader? Yeah. So when I was in high school, I was a cheerleader. I was also going to dancing school my whole life. Um, and when I went to Hofstra, I was on the dance team. And if you ever turn on ESPN and you watch those dance team competitions, we were competing in those competitions every year, nationals. I then became the head coach of the Hofstra dance team. So I coached for 10 years. And we went to competition every year for the 10 years that I coached. And we always placed in the top five in the country. So, yes, we competed. Wow. I'm assuming that, like, when you were growing up, NFL was, was king in your household. Like, in the South, it's more, it's more college. It's more the collegiate following. Um, I'm assuming yeah. it's more NFL from, from your experience. A hundred percent. I mean, I remember watching Monday Night Football with my dad. Um, and it came after That's Incredible on ABC. <laughs> so you probably are too young for That's Incredible. But <laughs> no, 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 no. All right. Awesome. <laughs> you so every Monday night we watched NFL football. And I, and I think the games were on at nine at that point. So I don't know what I was doing staying up the times I was up watching football games. <laughs> um, but it was great for me because I knew so much about the NFL. And when I started working here, and I'm going to age myself again, 30 years ago, Howie Long and Joe Montana and Marcus Allen, these guys were all playing. Mm -hmm. And I had been watching them growing up with my dad my whole life. So for me, it was not now these men are people that I need to engage with, work with, and, and be able to actually talk to about what they do on the field. So it was an amazing transition for me. And I, I say this all the time. No one loves my job more than my dad loved my job. <laughs> no one. I bet. I have, I have to ask, what is your, what is your team? Who, who do you? Do you, who did you root for? Okay, I'm not that, supposed that to have it, team, right. but I'm going to right. tell you. Okay. Um, so I am a gigantic Jets fan. Okay. Oh, um, wow. The day I was born, my dad actually met Joe Namath in the hospital because he was having knee surgery in the hospital I was born in. Nice. Wow. Um, and grew up a Jets fan. My dad was always a Jets fan. I then went to Hofstra. The Jets were on campus at Hofstra my entire four years at Hofstra. Wayne Corbett and I are very, very close friends. So everything pointed me to always be a Jet fan and remain a Jet fan. <laughs> However, doing what I do, I now cheer for players. Yeah. And it's really crazy to be at a Jet game cheering for Tom Brady because everyone in the section is like, <laughs> what are you doing? And I'm like, I can't, I can't, I root for players. I don't cheer for teams anymore. That's like that old commercial with the Miami Dolphin guy in the Jets bar and he, he, he jumps up and everybody in the Jets jersey looks at him like, 
Hey, who is this clown? He's going to get roughed up in there. Hey, Tracy, so as you're in college, you know, I don't, I'm assuming that wasn't your course of study. Like you said, you became a, a dance coach. And, and I know you've worked your way up through the ranks in the National Football League. We'll get there to how you got your start. But what were you? What was your intention at, after high school? So it's interesting. I was actually going to Hofstra for broadcasting and I was the anchor on the sports, the sports show for Hofstra. So I wanted to be a journalist. I went to school for communications and journalism, and I was convinced that I was going to be a sports reporter, sideline reporter, something like that. And the more I started to do it, the more I realized I wanted more. And I started to get really into the communications piece and started to learn a lot more about marketing and promotions. And, and I wasn't really sure where that would lead me in sports, but I knew that I did not want to be a, a sports caster, but that's where I was going. So it sounds like, like your whole background was from the, from the beginning is, you know, sports oriented, athletics oriented. So when you got to Hofstra, as you said, you were you thought you wanted to do a, a sports cast and communications. How did that branch over into you end up being the, the coach of the team? So when I was when I was dancing on the dance team at Hofstra, um, my senior year, we kind of seemed to be going through coaches very quickly. And when I graduated, the school came back to me because I was the captain of the team when I left. And a lot of the girls asked, hey, like, don't you think you would love to do this? And they didn't realize, like, when you have a full-time job in Manhattan, getting out to Hofstra every night <laughs> for a three-hour practice was difficult, but I really wanted to do it. Hmm. So I was working here and coaching for the first 10 years of my career. Oh, wow. Yeah. And how many national titles did you have? So we didn't, we didn't win the national championship while I was there. We came in the top three. Um, but we didn't win and they actually reformatted the way that the championships work now. So now they're category specific. So you could be the hip hop national champ. Yep. You can be the jazz. And when we did it, it was like, everybody was in one category and you were competing against everyone. Everybody. So a lot, lot more difficult. <laughs> so, so basically what you're saying, you can outdance all three of us. That's what uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if I can outdance you anymore. Maybe I can out yoga you now. I can definitely hey, out yoga you. I, I'm 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 gonna start politicking for you to be dancing with the stars here pretty soon too. I don't know, Trace. I got soft feet. Soft feet. I'm hey, I was saying I'm making a campaign, Tracy Perlman for Dancing with the no, Stars. No. All, all these it's other funny, Kevin, women. because I booked. Emmett Smith, Warren Sapp. I booked all those guys on Dancing with the Stars. None of them ever knew my dance background. <laughs> hey, I'm about to make some phone calls. We're going to let them know. <laughs> you got that background in. <laughs> but you know what? I'm going to go back just for a second. This, this is a, a sidebar moment. The fact that Joe Namath was at the hospital when you're born and your name is Tracy. Like, I'm surprised you're not named Joe or something. Like that. Listen, if it was up to my father, I have a feeling I would have a different name. <laughs> Josephine or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's go with Tracy. <laughs> yeah, Tracy's a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> so you, as you mentioned, you as you were working, working your way up through the ranks in the National Football League, but you were also coaching. Tell me, tell us a little bit about that journey, because that seems like, 
I'm assuming early 20s, trying to figure out life, independence. Um, just how was that balance, balancing act that you had with that? So when I first started working here, I was in the HR department and it was, I, I would say that it was, you know, more of the nine to five. So I knew, okay, I'm going to be here. This is what time I need to leave. I need to get home at this time. I'm going to get in the car. It's going to take me at least an hour to get to Hofstra, even though it's only 18 miles from where I live. And then I'm, we're going to practice for three hours. And so we're practicing from seven to 10. Mm. So now I'm getting home every night at 11. I'm getting up to get in the office by 730 so that I can get out by five. Wow. So literally every single day, it was a grind. Mm. And the national championships are in January, the second week of January, right before the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I would take my vacation that week to be away with the dance team. You wow. know, you're with 25, 19 to 20 year old girls and trying to get them in line and get them ready. And, and then I would leave, come back home and then go to wherever Pro Bowl Super Bowl was. Wow. So it was a grind. And during that time, I was trying to really sort out where did I want to be in the National Football League? And working in HR was probably the best thing for me because I got to see every single department and what they did and how they did it and what the trajectory was. And so I was able to kind of move around a little bit. And the next place I went from the league office HR was to NFL films working for um, the sales and promotions and production departments. And that was located in New York. And that's where I got to start to learn more about production and programming. But it's also where I started to work with players. Mm. And that is where I really saw myself going. I didn't know how or where because I was on the business side of football, not the football side of football where I am now. Um, but at the same time, for 10 years, I was still traveling out to Hofstra in the midst of all of this yeah. and coaching every single, and imagine we had to go to every game. So I was at every Hofstra football game. I was at every Hofstra basketball game, home, away. Um, wow. So I, I was essentially doing two full-time jobs. Did the girls know that, that you were kind of stressed at them because you, when you think about coaching like you said you coach in the in the practice practices were three hours yeah but, but your coaching hat never really leaves like it doesn't it doesn't stop at that three hours right. especially yeah. for, for you know kids that age things come up yep yeah look so not only did they know, they were all interning for me at the National Football League. Oh, wow. <laughs> so April Donnelly, who's worked for me for 20 years, was the captain of the Hofstra dance team when I was the coach. And she interned and stepped off the stepped out of college and into the National Football League and is my number two. Oh, um, wow. And several of the the girls who were on the dance team ended up coming here to work in some manner or job shadow or, you know, it, it kind wow. of assisted them just like you have a head of player engagement. I was not only the coach, I was actually their player engagement person helping them figure out how do you transition out of college and into your next role. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to just dial back and sit here just for a second because 
I, this show is about that transition and it's about how to get to that next step, whatever that may be. And, and we've had guests on here talk about paying their dues, whether it be uh, Mike Keith on the on doing play by play for the Tennessee Titans, holding the cores in college for the cameraman just to get in the building. Yeah. We've had other people talking about taking out trash and all the different things, the sacrifice from time, sleep. Uh, all the different things you had to sacrifice with the end goal in mind. I, I just want to take a moment here and reemphasize that and give you opportunity to kind of share on that because one thing we've also talked about is that the importance of that networking piece and being present and net, when that moment comes, taking it, taking that step, if, uh, that leap of faith, if you will, for that particular moment because you just never know where that moment is going to lead. I just want to give you a chance to kind of speak on that. Well, so, so for me specifically, we didn't talk about how I ended up here. So my sister went to St. John's university and she saw a posting for a job at the NFL and she called me and she said, I know you're interviewing for all these jobs. It's your senior, but this is for the national football league. You need to go. And so I sent in a blind resume, didn't know anybody literally sent in a resume, got a call. We'd like you to come in for an interview. And so now I'm beside myself. I can't believe that they even called me. It's February of my senior year of college. And I walk in and it's my cheerleading coach from high school. Wow. And she says, I knew it was you. (laughs) Wow. And she, on the spot, she had me interview with a couple of different people. And now it's February of my senior year. So I'm going to go on a hundred interviews. And as I'm walking out, um, the director of human resources says, I'm going to offer you the job right now. I'll hold it for you, but you need to decide in the next 24 hours. Mm. And I went home and I said to my parents, I don't know what to do. I like the, I, I want to work at the national football league. I have all these other job interviews. Uh, should I make this, this decision right now? And it, I, I talked to a couple of different people and overnight, I was like, you know what, that's what I'm going to do. This is meant to be. And I took the job. I graduated from Hofstra on May 16th, 2000, uh, 1992, my, on my 22nd birthday. And I started at the national football league on May 17th. Wow. I'm, I'm curious, wow. what, what was your dad's advice when you? When My dad said, Are you kidding me? Why are we even talking about this? <laughs> like, what's the argument? What, what are we talking about right now? I thought it was going to be really eloquent, or I thought he was going to have a nice speech. No. Why are we talking about this? What are all these other jobs? You don't want those. You want yeah. this. <laughs> I was like, he was like, we want this. Yeah, it, was, it was we. When, huh? when do we start? Yeah. When do we start? And uh, by the way, when them tickets for the Jets game coming. <laughs> so, you know, and, and I'll, I'll tell you that the, the networking piece for me, when I started and I was in HR, that's all I did. I was yeah. like, all right, I'm in HR. I need to meet everybody in the building. Yeah. I need to know what everybody does. I need to figure out where I'm going here. And I would say people don't realize how tough the transition is. So now I was in college yesterday and now I'm taking a bus to Manhattan, trying to figure out where I'm going. I have no idea what's coming next. 
I'll, I'll give you a, a, a something that happened to me in the first two weeks that I worked at the National Football League. So when you work in HR, I was a floater, which meant I worked in every department in the building. So somebody was out. We didn't hire temps. They said, Tracy, go sit in PR. Mm-hmm. Go sit here. So within the first 10 days, I get, Trace, you need to go. Commissioner Tagliabue's assistant is out. You're going to work for him today. Wow. Awesome. So I go over there and I'm like sitting down and commissioner is on an all owners call. He walks out and he says, Tracy, I'll have my regular lunch. And he walks back in. So I call up the head of HR and I said, okay, commissioner said he'll have his regular lunch. He goes to me, well, what the hell is his regular lunch? I said, you don't know what his regular lunch is? He's like, no, you got to figure it out. He's like, go back in there. And I can hear him. He's hosting the call. So Mm. now I can't ask him. So I literally called every, there were menus in in his assistant store. I called every place and I finally get to Kat's Deli. And I'm like, hi, this is Tracy. I'm calling from Commissioner Tyler Buzavis. He'll have his regular lunch. He goes, okay, great. I said, wait, can you tell me what his regular lunch is? (laughs) And so that's how we found out. But literally this is 10 days in. I'm trying to figure out all 32 owners to get them on a call Then I'm trying to figure out the, and you really have to figure it out yourself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yes, I was lucky that Elise, who was my cheerleading coach in high school worked here, but at the same time, she was doing a very specific job. I was in a job where I had to learn how to do everything and I had to learn it immediately. Mm-hmm. So the transition was not that easy. Um, but at the same time, it also it taught me a lot about being able to ask questions, being able to say when you don't know something, being able to talk to someone to kind of get as much information as you can and looking for mentors. Because when I got thrown into this, I needed to find somebody who could help me along my way. And, you know, as from being an athlete, like I'm not used to asking people for help or support and I had to do it. And it also helped me realize that as I was moving along in my career, I wanted to be able to help other people. So I'm I'm glad you're saying all this too, because part of this, we just offering up stories of people that have been successful and have had trials, tribulations and had the transition. What's some advice that you would give young people? As you have mentioned, you've had several former a Hofstra grads come in and intern and work their way up, up all the way up to right underneath you. What's some advice you give to some of people as they transition? You know, I, I think, first of all, don't have a preconceived notion of what you're walking into. It is never what you expect. Right. Never. And be open. And I say that because a lot of people, especially younger people now, they're like, well, this is exactly what I want. And this is where I want to do it. And when people ask me about getting into sports, I say, don't limit yourself to, I have to work at a league or I have to work at a team. You could work at EA and you're working in sports. You could work at Pepsi and you could be the lead on the NFL account. So sports is so much broader than people think. So to me, it's never what you're walking into. You don't understand what's on the other side. Really be open, be open to different experiences be open to the people around you because they're going to teach you so much. Even if you think you know more than them, be open to listening. And that was the other thing I learned really quickly. Like sit back and listen. Do not 
I, I was not prepared to give my opinions. I was not, I really needed to understand what I was walking into and a very, you know, communication skill that a lot of people don't have is listening. Right. And I think a lot of people want to get out their opinion before you even finish hearing what is actually happening. Um, so those are three things I learned pretty quickly. That's a, it's a crazy dynamic that you were going through during that time, because you were talking about being a coach. So you're the leader and you're giving out all this information, but then in your second, well, your, your job, your, you know, your job, you are in a situation where you have to learn and listen. Yes. That's a, that's a crazy dynamic you lived for, you know, for a while. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. And on top of that, which you're going to say, are you crazy? I was also teaching dance at a dancing school oh my God. Are you crazy? on the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> on the weekend. Oh you know, like younger kids and just because it's a totally different type. So I had essentially three jobs. Wow. So that, that was kind of what I was thinking like earlier when you said, you know, you, you, so you have the, well, the two jobs first, um, you deal with, a, at that time, I'm sure it was probably more men than women in the NFL, but then, yes. <laughs> then you, so then you come over here on that same day and you have to deal with women. And then, yes. so, how, so you had to like really switch hats a lot, didn't you? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and what was really interesting about it was the respect that the people at the NFL gave me for what I was doing after work. Mm. Um, because a lot of people are like, where are you going? I'm like, well, I coach the dance team at Hofstra. You do? What, what do you do? How many days a week are you there? What you choreograph all the routines? Wait, I don't understand. You're doing all of the formations. Like how are you getting the music done? You have DJs and, (laughs) and it opened their eyes to another side of me that, Hey, wait a minute. This girl is creative. She knows she's scouting dancers like so she's scouting she's Mm. doing music she's doing production it it gave me a little bit of a leg up on some of the other things i wanted to do at the nfl and the other interesting thing is i'm at hofstra and the jets are on campus at hofstra so the jets are practicing at hofstra so when we would go to training camp during the summer the players were at training camp the players would come over and watch our practice Wow. And I started to build relationships with the guys on the Jets because they would come over and watch the practices because Wayne Corbett and I were friends and Wayne would come over. Mm. And so I started to build the career I was going to have here playing off of what I was doing at Hofstra, which was my passion. I was dancing since I was three years old. Um, and it started to really help me with what I was going to essentially end up doing at the national football league. That, that was going to be my next question. How has all that, that, that 10 years, if you will, how has that molded you and created the Tracy Perman as a senior vice P of player operations? Now, like how did all that kind of marinate into what you are today? So you're essentially as a coach, I am dealing with everything that, the athlete needs everything mm-hmm. from helping them transition in, helping them transition out, helping them with every situation going on on campus, helping them make sure that they're not violating any policies, helping. That's what I do at the national football. Yeah. 
So my job in player operations is to ensure that players transition into the league is smooth. Their transition out of the league is smooth. And that while they are in the league, they're being educated and developed so that they're a 360 degree person. Mm -hmm. They're not just this athlete that people see and don't think there's anything else there. And everything that I did as a coach of the dance team for those women, that's what I do for these men every single day. And all I care about is making an impact on their lives and ensuring that they know there's somebody who trusts and cares about them on the other side. And I built that from teaching dance and coaching. I'm going to say it just from a former player's perspective who didn't realize or even had a chance while I was playing to meet you until after I'm done. And I feel like the NFL is doing better with developing programs and, and systems like you're discussing. But just to tell you from my standpoint, I appreciate it because when you're out there playing, you don't feel like nobody cares. You just out there trying to get your check because they're trying to get their check and just trying to do for as long as you can. And to hear that there's somebody that's worried about the 360 view of a athlete. I mean, it's just refreshing to hear that because I'm going to tell you, I don't, Joey played with, I know, I think you know who Joey is. I don't know why I'm saying that, but I don't know if he feels any different than what I felt like, but I just felt like we were on our own. We had to figure it out. So that transitioning out, I've been pretty fortunate to do okay transitioning, but that's not always the case. And so that's going to be my next point of emphasis. I don't know. You got another, you want to bring something? Yeah. I just, I mean, with that being said, this is a, this is a, big question and you can mm-hmm. attack it however you know which way you want to do it for a young player what what are some of the pitfalls you see as a young yeah. player coming into the league and some of the pitfalls that you see from a veteran that's that's trying to make that transition um out it's, of the and league I, and let, Tracy, because I, one point i want to make is the money is a lot better now yeah so if that transition might not be the same conversation it was 10 15 years yeah, ago especially but, for us, yeah yeah You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you know have to do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. 
And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. So, and, and that's the interesting part. Being here for 30 years, the transition and the athlete is so different. Mm-hmm. I, you know, the average age in the locker room now is about 25. Mm-hmm. So you don't have a ton of veterans in the locker room. But what I think, and, and it's interesting because now we talk to the prospects very early on. And we actually host a webinar for every single rookie the week after the draft. So we just did it, um, you know, two Wednesdays ago, 546 rookies were on the call Mm. and Chris Carter was the host. And the whole call is about avoiding these pitfalls. It's about being able to say no to people that you are not used to saying no to. It's about understanding that when you transition into the league, you are used to being number one. There are now how many other guys at that position who are ahead of you mm-hmm. and not everybody's going to be there to help you. Also, you've got these guys coming in who made X amount of money from NIL deals. When you walk into that league, you that's no longer you're starting over. And we want to make sure and we do a lot of situational edu- education. Do you have the right people around you? Do you know when to say no? Do you know what to do financially now that all of a sudden you've had this windfall? You know, do you actually need, when are you ready to buy a house in this city? Do you understand that you are fighting for your job every single day? Mm -hmm. This is not like anybody else's transition. So I think that, you know, the biggest pitfall is, is really understanding your circumstance and knowing how to react to it. And what we, what we tell all of these guys, the head of player engagement at your team, that is your trusted resource. You can go to that person for anything. It is confidential. They will take care of you. They are your trusted resource. You can call us. There's always somebody on the other end of the phone. The other thing is that things now in respect to mental health, we want to make sure that, you know, there's a clinician at your team. So I think that the biggest pitfall is not knowing everything that's around you from a resource perspective, and again, not understanding your own circumstance. You know, it, obviously, twenty years ago when I was my last playing, I guess it's almost been twenty years. It's not quite twenty; it's by fifteen. Oh, man. Getting old, but <laughs> <laughs> but. It, it wasn't as um, prominent as it is now. We were just getting started. We was having those rookie symposiums. I think I went yep. to like the third one. Yeah. 
um, some of the stuff that your resources, I think what I appreciate now, the league is starting to listen to what their players are saying in, in the bargain yes. agreements, including some of those things. And the newer, younger guys are benefiting from some of the guys, just like I benefited from the guys before me. But one thing I wanted to point out is how do you feel the engagement for former players has been? Now, I will say this. Um, as far as like the NFL trust and some of the other things I have benefited, the NFL trust pretty much paid for my doctorate for me to go back to school. Um, yeah. And it just by a whim, how I found that out. So again, I get the emails and I get so many emails. A lot of times I skim through them. Right. You know, but how have you felt the engagement piece? Cause that's a big part of your job has yeah. been, especially with the older crowd, the older guys. So being here for 30 years is actually really helpful mm. because when guys see my name, they say, Bobby Bristol called, he said, Tracy, is this you? Yeah. Said, yeah, it's me. Hell he yeah. said, you're still there. I said, I am still here. He's like, well, it makes me feel a little bit better about opening the newsletter. Yeah. Um, so the engagement's actually been really good. So when we launched the Legends community, there were all these databases. We could have just put everyone in. Mm-hmm. We actually make you register. So you actually physically have to go in and register to be a member of the Legends community. 12,000 Legends, 12,000 former players have registered. Mm -hmm. Um, And the way we really look at the engagement, the newsletter that you get from me every month, it's got a 65% open rate. Mm. So the guys are reading it. And we are engaging not only that way, but we're engaging. We have a social media account. There's an app. So there's a Legends community app that you can download on your phone. We send out mailings. We try to engage with you where you are, meaning if you want hard mail, I'll send you hard mail. If you want social media, you can go on social. If you want the app, you can go on the app. Um, We also have 24 legends who work for us that Thomas Davis started working for us the day after he retired from the National Football League. I handed him a list of every single player who was recently retired. He called every single one. He had a conversation with every player. And so the idea is that you're going to have the conversation. The engagement we know has been really good because the number of players who are who are utilizing the resources and benefits just continues to go up. Um, the dedicated hospital network that recently launched after the 22 collective the 2020 collective bargaining agreement, it launched in September. And something like 3,000 players, maybe more at this point, have actually called and engaged with the concierge service. So we're, we're making headway. And we always say, you guys are our best advocates. If you know about us, tell everybody else. Mm-hmm. Go in your phone and say, are you a member of the Legends community? Because all we want to do is make sure that you're using the benefits that you've earned. A lot of guys say to me, I don't understand what's your end game. My end game is to make sure that you're being taken care of and that you're really being honored for playing this game because you deserve everything that we're offering. And I will go anywhere and everywhere and say it. I travel around the country. The 32 clubs bring me in to talk to their legends. Um, All 32 clubs host events. And every year we go to as many of them as we can. So I think we're we're seeing a, a lot more engagement. The other thing is, as guys retire now, they know we're here. So Thomas Davis called me. He said, I'm retiring. What are you doing? I said, I'm hiring you tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Steven Jackson, 
called me when he was retiring. Larry Fitzgerald and I have been going back and forth, even though he won't say he's retired. So, you know, guys know us from the engagement that we've had. So my hope is that now it's a little bit more of a seamless um, transition out. We host an event called The Welcome, where we actually bring in players who've retired and we take them through every single benefit. And, you know, whether or not you want to wait five years to engage or you're ready now, we're here for you no matter what and no matter when. From a from a current player perspective, do you think the trust is getting better? And the reason why I say that, you know, again, Kevin and I played a long time ago, but you know, when we when we played that initiative initiative of of having a taxi or a cab pick a player up if he's out having a good time. Yeah. A lot of players didn't take advantage of that because they didn't trust the fact that, okay, the team knows that I'm out at three o'clock in the morning and they know this and that. Um, I think, I think I'm, I'm assuming the trust is better, right? Cause you know, you brought in, you brought in the mental health piece and, and, you know, clubs having clinicians there that players can talk to um, them about their, their issues, whatever. Um, do you see that that trust getting better? Do you, do you feel that that way? Um, I hope so. Yeah. And I look the the so I was in marketing and Troy Vincent came to me at one point and said, "I need somebody who's going to build a player partnership. I need somebody who cares about this enough." And so when I moved over to football operations under Troy and we started player operations, the mission of our department is to build a community of trust, care, fairness, and support around players. And I tell every player that who walks into this office. And I think current players will tell you, I tend to call them and say, this is what we're thinking. What do you think? And if they say, hey, you're going in the wrong direction, pivot. We pivot. Mm -hmm. And the example I'll give you is a few years ago, we were in a meeting and it was all executives and me And we're having a conversation about Pro Bowl and all of these senior staff people are saying all this stuff about Pro Bowl and I'm texting players during the call. And I'm like, what do you think about this? And I'm like, nope, Andrew Luck doesn't like that. What do you think about that? Nope. Cam Jordan said no to that. They're like, what are you doing? I said, I'm asking the players. I said, we should be asking the players. So we actually set up a call with 18 players and let them tell us what to do with Pro Bowl. Mm. And that's where dodgeball came from. Joe Thomas was like, I want to play dodgeball. And JJ Watt said to me, Trace, we're building a playground and you have me in my Jersey. It's 90 something degrees in Hawaii. Can I wear a t-shirt? Yeah. Like simple things. And, and I think they know now that we are going to make outreach and say to them, are we doing this right? Should we be doing something else? What is your opinion? How can we make this better? And when I came over to Troy's group, I said to Troy, I'm going to walk into every meeting I'm in at the National Football League. And my first question is going to be, what's the value to the player? I know everybody else is talking about, here's what the fans get. Here's what what benefit does the player get from this? And everybody in this building sees me coming into their meeting. And now they're all like, Trace, I I can tell you exactly what the player is going to get from this. And, you know, we built with the social media team, we built a way where players could get content from us for their own social media handles. Uh Players see value in that. So we did their say their stories. I I don't know if you remember when everything happened with with social justice and the names on the back of the helmets. 
the player said, I don't want to talk about myself. I want to talk about these victims and give a face to this victim. So if you're going to do features, I want to be the voice. I don't want this story to be about me. And if you look at those features, the features are about the victims in the voice of the player. So my hope is that we're building trust because we really do care. And we're always on the other end of the phone. And I always tell them, you can call me for anything. I may not have the answer you want, but I'm going to give you the answer transparently. And we'll work on how to get to where you need to be. Let me so, ask, I'm sorry, Todd. Let me, let me ask you. So, you know, with the whole social justice thing and, and we, we've had other athletes on here and the whole shut up and dribble thing came up. And I know you're, you're deep, knee deep in all that when it was going on a few years ago. And I think it sounds like from your perspective, you are trying to give the voice, if you will, to the players, giving them more of a voice. And I, I just, from my own experience, didn't always feel like that was the case. It was more or less, we're here to entertain and we're, you know, Marcus Aurelius, are you not entertained? That was us. We were just there to entertain you. But the rest of it, we weren't there to speak on political um, things going on in the presidential election or social injustices or whatever. Do you how do how are you or the NFL in that matter balancing that and maybe in comparison to the other professional leagues and and how they're able or maybe presenting wearing T-shirts or kneeling or, or different things for what's going on? How has the NFL or your department specifically navigated that? You know, working for Troy is interesting because Troy always says to me, well, let's talk to the players. Like we need to get player feedback. I don't ever want to walk into a meeting and it's just, this is what we think. And so we've been able to open that up and there is a social justice committee here. It includes owners and players as well as the PA. Um, we also host social justice roundtables throughout the country. So for the draft, we hosted one at Allegiant Stadium with legends, players, and and uh, the club. So I would say for us, this is a partnership and social justice is the biggest, one of the biggest parts of that partnership. And Anna Isaacson's department, along with Troy's group, we really work to ensure that whatever we put out there is something that the players feel good about and that they know that we are not reacting. What we're trying to do is proactively work with them to make change. And the amount of money that we donated, we talk about it a lot, but we've partnered with some amazing um, corporations like the Dream Corporation with some amazing causes that players are associated with. At the same time, the Players Coalition was launched by Anquan Bolden. Players are involved in the Players Coalition. Um, and then you've got voices like Kelvin Beecham, who not only does he do what he needs to do with the Players Coalition, he also does things on his own. When he was playing in, in New York, I don't know if you remember, there was a water shortage in Newark. He called me and said, I want to give a case of water for every single bottle of water that is bought during the Jets game. And I was like, what? He's, he said, how do I do that? And we got him partnered with PepsiCo and Aquafina did what he asked. And so our entire point as the National Football League is to hopefully move forward what the players see as the vision of how do we get through this whole social justice 
piece together to make the biggest change we can because of the platform that the National Football League has at the other sports are the other sports. We don't work the way they do. And our platform just seems to grow tremendously every season. So with that being said, it's kind of goes back to what I was going to ask you. So you've been there for 30 years and some of the things you, you just mentioned, but you've seen a lot of stuff come, a lot of stuff go, a lot of stuff good, a lot of stuff bad. What would you say in those 30 years, if you had to pick one thing, what's your proudest moment from, from being in the NFL? Um, canceling games after nine 11. Mm. Yeah. Canceling games after nine 11. Um, I was in the building, um, when the first plane hit and we were in a meeting and it was on the television and everything was happening. And it was, it was, it was crazy what was going on. And I remember the other sports announced that they were going to play and Commissioner Tagliabue, we were all sitting in a room and, and at the same time, the Jets, I guess, were in the locker room and Curtis Martin and Vinny Tessaverdi essentially told the Jets, we're not playing, like, we're, we're not going to play. Yeah. Like, even if the National Football League says we're playing, it, it's not happening. Um, and they called the commissioner's office and he was, he said, this is, this is right. Like, we should not, we should not be playing. Um, after 9-11, this country needs a break. And he made the announcement and all of the other leagues followed. And yeah. when we came back that next week, I'll never forget having to source 1.6 million small American flags to get to every single stadium in the National Football League mm-hmm. for when we came back. And if you remember, every single person was waving one of those flags and we did a Mary J. Blige, America the Beautiful, and a Bon Jovi, America the Beautiful, with the um, where the towers used to be standing in the background. And we then proceeded to, to, to do the Super Bowl halftime with U2 honoring all of the victims of 9-11. And so I would say that is the proudest moment I've had at the NFL. I oh. knew several people who died in the towers and... And it was, it was, it was a moment that I will never forget. That, that's, I appreciate you sharing that story because as a player, obviously sitting out that week and then getting back in the national anthem and you seeing those flags, you don't think of the process that it took to get to that point. You just beneficiary and watching everybody, the emotional moment of waving a flag in there and then hear your perspective from, from somebody the from the inside, yeah. man. That, I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I got sorry. something. Um, you know, from from your seat, um, like what's what's the most enjoyable um, aspect of your job, and maybe you know one of the challenges of your job. You know, it's it's I. There's so many amazing things that I get to do. It's hard to to yeah. say that, but I'll I'll tell you when we named the all time team, the 100 players on the all time team. That to me was one of the most unbelievable moments ever. And I got to talk to every single player on the all-time team and say, hey, we're going to be bringing you and this is what's going to happen. And and walking out on the field and watching every single one of those players be announced, it was one of those things. I I almost felt like I was on the team. (laughs) And, you know, having players come up to me and say, you know, you're probably the only person of all of us that knows every single one of us. 
because they've been here for 30 years. So I worked with every single player that was on the all-time team. I I knew the families of the deceased because I had worked with, you know, I had worked with Willie Brown for such a long time and to be able to comfort his daughter by having her there and honoring her in, in, in honor of her father, like those moments were unbelievable to me. And, you know, doing that in Super Bowl MVPs and men of the year, like seeing the impact that, these guys have on each other and the lives of other people is, is amazing. And it's, it's definitely the thing that I, that I love the most. Well, speaking of impact, you know, as I mentioned, we were trying to get you on for the month of March for the women. <laughs> and obviously you're in a, a male dominated field or role and you've been there for a long time, longevity. And do you ever feel that pressure to be, above and beyond, like be something different because you are paving the way. As you mentioned, you've brought people alongside you that have probably wouldn't maybe never had the opportunity had you not been so successful. Do you feel that pressure sometimes or have you viewed that pressure at times? You know, I, I always felt like I needed to be one step ahead, one step ahead and, and better than my male counterparts. I always felt like that. Um, and especially in the area I'm in now, when it comes to players, I think that most people say to me, wait a minute, you're in charge of everything for the players, right? What do you mean? And I think that this is, this is a very different space. And, and I'll give you an example for player engagement specifically for years, you know, we've been hosting player engagement meetings and there would be one or two women in the room other than me. Mm-hmm. Um, and this year there were 12 women in the room. Wow. And, you know, two of them are actually the heads of player engagement for their clubs. Uh, one of the Atlanta Falcons and one of the New York giants. So I think that we're, we're making headway that you need the best person for the job Yeah. and the best person for the job. Maybe it's a woman. Yeah. You know, we're, we're trying to get Jen Welter in, on, on, and I know you're very familiar with Jen and Dr. Yep. Welter. Um, I'm really interested in her story because, you know, you're doing it from a personnel or a player engagement standpoint. She's on the ground yeah. level. And then as far as uh, being a trailblazer as a coach, and I just wonder from your perspective, you've been a trailblazer in, in respectively seeing somebody like Dr. Welter or some of these other ladies you're mentioning with the Falcons and whatnot, does that do your heart good? Like you just like, man, like Tina Tuggle. Yeah. Tina Tuggle and some, some of these others. Yes. You, you have, like I said, when I was standing up there and the best part was Troy was the one who leans over and he said to me, do you see how many women are in this room? (laughs) And, you know, even I work with the officials as well. So to see women in officiating, you know, when I told people that I was going to be working at the national football league, they said, well, what are you going to be doing talking on the sideline? Mm-hmm. And I said, no, I'm actually. And then when I moved over to football operations, people were like, wait a minute, you're working in football. And I'm like, yes, I am not the marketing person. I am not the, the PR person. I am the head of player operations. So to see women on the field and getting the chance. Yeah be the most and the best that they can be. Like if you are, if you are the right person, you're the right person. Mm -hmm. And I would hope that that is open to women across football. 
Yeah, and I'm seeing Amy Antelstrunk. She's in a male world as the majority owner and yeah. doing it well herself. So, man, but what's Kim Pagula? I mean, yeah. he, there are there are so many women that you could look up to here. Rini Anderson. Um, there are so many women here that are mentors for other women and are open to help pay it forward. I just hope people are taking advantage of it. I, I, I absolutely agree. But I guess before we let you go, let me talk about what's next for you. You've been in the game for 30 years. What's next? I know when Tom Brady retired, I was like, wait, maybe I should retire. <laughs> and then he said, eh, yeah. I'm coming back. That's I what said, I'm, okay. I'm going to have to tell him. That's going to be the next package deal. <laughs> that when you go, I go. So he... <laughs> You know, I, I, I say to Troy all the time, I, for me, just continuing to, to make this impact, you know, I just, I just moved over to Troy's group, um, about four and a half years ago. So this started as a, okay, what are we going to do? And now it's player operations. And I think for me, what's next is really solidifying the partnership between players and the league, Mm -hmm. as well as the partnership between the union and the league. We work with Don Davis so closely. It's so nice to have counterparts at the union and know that we all care about the same thing. And I think for us, it's really cleaning up the space and making sure that everything that players have from a resource and benefit perspective is easy for them to use and for us to communicate and players want to be here. I, you know, the interesting thing, Kevin, is now we invite players to come to the office. And when they come in the office, we do a whole how to build your brand. And then we let them tell us who they want to meet with. So I've had people who say, I need to meet with John Runyon. He fined me 10 times last year. <laughs> I have people who want to meet with officiating, people who want to meet with Troy, people who want to meet with sponsorship. And we are pretty much an open book. And I feel like, you know, that is where five years from now, I want it to be where players feel like this is their home mm-hmm. and that the league office is here simply to support them. Well, Tracy, we absolutely appreciate your mm-hmm. time. But before we let you go, we do a little segment of this or that and you try to figure out your preference. And so okay. I'm going I'm to start us off. And mine's a little bit on the hypo- hypothetical side. But since you talked about you as a dance coach and you close, you didn't quite get that national title and you're a Jets fan. They have won national title since Joe Namath. Jets, no I mean question. Jets. <laughs> oh, so you Super t- Bowl for the Jets. Without That's question, it. you don't care about them girls no more. No, <laughs> Super Bowl for the Jets. Wow. Wow. All right, that was easy. You might have to, might have to go with those girls. <laughs> I hope you're a Michael, hope- Michael Jordan. I'm not going to say the term, but she basically said those kids. Those kids. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> if, if some of y'all ladies are listening to the show she still loves y'all 100 <laughs> percent. but that jet title would mean a whole lot okay tracy oh man all right so if you had a you you have you get to have dinner with one person, okay. Now I know you said you, you went to the same high school as Lombardi. Mm. Your dad was when you were born, you were born in the hospital where Joe Namath was. You get to have dinner with just one of those guys. Which one are you picking? Mm. Wait, Lombardi or Joe Namath? Yes. I've had dinner with Joe Namath, so I'm going with Lombardi. Flex on the show. Just push your motor. <laughs> 
that was a slight flex. It was like, <laughs> right. hey, man, yeah, I, yeah, I've already done I, that one. I'm I, good. I, <laughs> muscles popped out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I have one. So we, we talked about, um, you know, players coming into the league and players transitioning out of the league. Um, what, what do you think is more important to try to educate these guys when they first come in or the, the latter stages of mm. that player's career, educating them on, you know, life outside of football? I, I think, and based on now, I think it's when they're coming in because you never know when I'm it's over. That. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. So I think it's when they're coming in and we're trying, we're doing our best. <laughs> yeah. Well, man, Tracy, thank you so much. Yeah, I, I know you're busy and this is a busy time of year. We're getting OTAs and training <laughs> coming up and the, the schedule just came out. And yep. I know there's a lot going on. So thank you for taking some time. Yeah. And there's end of your day out there in the East Coast. You're trying to get home and chill. But thank you so much for yeah. taking time. Oh, thank you. It was fun. Yeah, yeah I hope you have fun. Thank you so much. I did. Yeah, have a good night. Good night. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.